Hi, I'm Curious Vedant and welcome to season 5 of my podcast. Today my guest is Jessica Lane, who is a senior program officer at IREX, a global development and education organization. Her work focuses on building the capacity of civil society, educators, and media actors to positively contribute to the development of their communities. Hi Jessica, welcome to my show. Hi Vedant, thank you for having me. Yeah, this is very very fun. Yes, I'm having a great time. I'm glad to be on your show. Okay, let's start. So, Jesse, I'm curious to know what does IREX do? So, as you said, IREX is a global development and education NGO, so a non-governmental organization, and the organization actually stands for International Research and Exchanges Board. So, IREX was created back in the 1960s to enhance US and Soviet relations during the Cold War so that the United States and the Soviet Union could still have educational exchanges. But since then, IREX is over 50 years old and works on all different areas all around the world in every continent um, basically around the globe and IREX focuses on a few different key areas like independent media, access to information, empowering youth, strengthening institutions and building the capacity of leaders all around the world. When did you join IREX? I joined IREX a little over 9 years ago already, so I've been there for almost a decade. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. Can you tell me more about the role you play at IREX? Sure, I'd be happy to. So my role at IREX has transformed over the years, but I've always focused on youth and leadership and media development. So a few different areas of focus. And right now I work on a program that's called the Community Solutions Program. So this is a really interesting program that I really love because what we do with this program is we work with community leaders from Uh, up to a hundred countries all over the world. So everywhere from here in Singapore, or in Guatemala, or in Uganda, um, or countries like Kyrgyzstan or Kenya. So all over the world, we work with community leaders who are working on social, political, economic, or environmental change in their communities. So if you think of any like really tough issues. that you might see in different communities around the world. We work with the people in the countries who are already working to make their communities better. And it's a program that's actually funded by the US government, which a lot of people don't think the US government does uh, certain funding like this. But we have what's called an educational and C- cultural affairs bureau at our Department of State. that um, really likes to invest in building up leaders around the world and in the United States as well. So my role with that is to do a lot of different things, but mainly I do a lot of program management. I do a lot of uh, training, curriculum development, so I focus a lot on the educational aspects of what it means to um, run a leadership academy and program. Wow, 100 countries is a lot of countries. It is. So by community leaders do you mean people like mayors and town councils? 
So it could be anyone who is serving in a role like that, like a formal role for local government. Um, perhaps they're, they're a mayor or they serve in the Ministry of Education. Um, it can be uh, someone who's on a town council. But it can also be more grassroots. And what I mean by grassroots is more of, you know, let's say there's a um, local teacher who's working at a school and is trying to uh, further develop the school so they can have more children in the school. Um, it can be someone like that. It can be someone who started an organization to um, help combat climate change in their community, or they might start a nonprofit organization to make sure more people have access to clean water. So it's people who are really passionate about certain causes in their local community. They've identified problems and they're actively working to find solutions to these problems. So that's how we identify a leader. It's really anyone who is willing to serve and is doing work to serve in their communities. Wow, so even teachers can be community leaders. Yep. yep. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's really anyone who, who takes that step to say, I see a problem and I want to do something about it. That's what we consider a leader, is someone who doesn't just say, oh, well, that problem's not mine. I'm not going to worry about it. Someone who says, you know what, I think I could do something about this. So I'm going to try and figure out what it is I can do to make things better for the people around me. So that means if I find garbage on the street and I pick it up and put it into the bin, I'm kind of a leader too? Absolutely. That means you are showing great leadership skills. You're not just uh, standing by and saying, oh, you know what, that garbage wasn't mine, I didn't put it there. Right? You could take that approach and say, I didn't, I didn't put that garbage on the street, but instead it's actually showing leadership skills because what you're doing is saying, I have a purpose, right? I have a purpose to pick up this trash because I care about this community and I wanna make this community uh, cleaner. And I wanna make sure that maybe people can walk more easily on the sidewalks. And it could even go so far to not even realize who you're affecting. So for example, Maybe that piece of trash was getting in the way of someone who uses a wheelchair and they couldn't easily access the sidewalk because there was trash on it. You could be making it a lot easier and a lot more accessible for different people in your community to be active in the community. So that is a way of being a leader. Why is it important to build capacity in these communities? It's important because if you think about even our own lives, like if you think about your life and if I think about my life, it was always a given in my life that I would go to school, you know, I'd be able to have a go to have a school to go to, to get an education, I would be able to pursue a career. You might feel the same way. Um, you might have never questioned, oh, would I be able to go to school or not? It might be something that you just thought everyone gets to do. But in so many communities around the world, there's not equal levels of opportunity. So in some countries, in some communities, there might be kids who, or there not might be, there are kids who don't have access to go to school. Um, or there might be um, uh, government corruption where people can't actually open new businesses and help their communities grow. So to build a capacity really just means to connect people with different resources, different tools, different skills and knowledge. So that they can then help other people in their community and lift their community up so that there's opportunities, that people have hope for the future, 
and that basic needs can also be met around the world. So people know that they have food, they have water, um, they can actually see a future for themselves and live in a way that's peaceful. Because everyone, the belief is that everyone deserves to live that way. Yeah, I feel bad for the kids who can't go to school because they deserve to learn and have a life like us. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's what capacity building, you know, capacity building sounds like maybe a fancy term or complicated word, but it really just means to to uh, have resources to be able to have these kids be able to go to school and have the same opportunities as kids in other cities or countries or communities. When I grow up, I want to help, help kids in, like these in different countries, like some countries in Africa, to go to school. Yeah, that's a wonderful thing to do, and that's um, a big passion of, of mine too and why I got into this work. What are the biggest challenges that these communities face? There's many, many different challenges. Um, every community has different challenges, but there's certainly some similar challenges that you can find in communities all across the world. And this is even the same like where I'm from in the United States. So these challenges, these issues exist um, even in the state where I grew up as well. So one of the, one of the challenges is a lack of opportunities for youth. So for young kids, there's a lack of opportunities maybe to get education, or once uh, kids are educated, they might not have uh, the jobs available for them to have a job. So then there can be a lot of you know, lack of hope, um, lack of understanding what could be part of their future. So that is a big challenge right now because a lot of the world's population now is really young. So the economy needs to keep growing so that kids have jobs, right, when they get out of school. So that's a big challenge. There's also a challenge where we find a lot of corruption in different countries. Um, so a lack of leaders who are really ethical, who really follow, like, am I doing the right thing for the people I'm serving um, by being in a, in a role of uh, power? Um, there's also lack of different resources, so that's where we see like, poverty take place. So poverty isn't because there isn't enough food to go around, it's just that it's not distributed equally. So some people have a lot, a lot of food, while other people might not have enough food. So there's not equal amounts of food for everyone, so that's a major issue. Um, and then a big issue right now that we're seeing everywhere um, is what we call either like disinformation or misinformation. So this is where people use information um, to manipulate people and perhaps tell lies using different platforms like social media, even the press, um, so that the wrong information gets out and that can make people maybe feel more angry towards other people, commit acts of violence, things like that. So that's a big trend we're seeing right now in the world of people manipulating information to get what they want. Yeah, everybody needs to have food to live. It's one of the basics that you need. Absolutely. Even if you can't go to school, you actually need food. Yeah, that's one of the, the basic things, right? It's food, water, um, to have access to, if you need health services, right? If you need to go to the doctor, um, there's something that's called, I don't know if you've heard of this, it's called the Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. So it's kind of like a pyramid that on the bottom you have your basic needs like food, water, shelter, 
And then as you get more to the top, you have other needs, like feeling a sense of dignity, um, things of that sort. So that was a theory that was created a, a little while ago by a guy named Maslow. But that says exactly what you say, that like people really need that food, they need the water, the shelter, the basic needs. Um, although that theory is being discussed a lot in the work I do, but it is a theory that some people still really um, believe in. Yeah, and they also need clean water. I read yes. somewhere about this invention where it's like some kind of powder where you mix into the water and it becomes clean water. That's amazing. Yeah, there's a lot of really amazing inventions. Um, and a lot of these inventions are created by people, like what I was talking about earlier, who have taken up that role of leadership, right? They say, well, I grew up in a village without clean water. I want to try and invent something, right? So they go to school or they, they do experiments in their backyard or they work with other people to find out, okay, how do we create clean water? And that's like what you're saying. They invent something like this powder that can uh, purify the water and then it solves so many issues for a lot of people. Yeah, there's also like a filter. Yeah, there's some really interesting things that people have invented. And yeah. It's those type of things that when I was talking, or your question about building capacity, that's what we kind of mean by that is, okay, how can we work with those people who are already discovering these things and inventing these amazing things and just help them get connected to more people so that they can spread this amazing work they're doing to positively impact more and more people. Yeah. Even if something doesn't look normal or something, it still can be useful to the community. Yeah, absolutely. Things don't have to be, you know, very fancy or very high tech or there's a lot of issues that can be solved just by um, sometimes some really simple things like you mentioned. Yeah. What is freedom of press and why is it important? That's a great question. I've also done um, a lot of work around media. Um, so freedom of the press comes up a lot. And what freedom of the press really means is that the press, which is uh, the news, any publications, any journalists or reporters who work to get information out to people, um, that means that they can do so without any fear of being, let's say, persecuted or being thrown in jail or having any violence committed against them. So the reason why freedom of the press, so that means that the ability for these journalists or reporters to share information openly, um, that's so important because in order for societies to really grow and build for more and more people to have their needs met, like we were just talking about, it's really important that the press be able to share information to people. So, for example, how do we know who to vote for in an election? How do we know who can maybe have really good policies for clean water in our society, right? We know that oftentimes because of the press, because the media can share information. Um, what does this person believe in? How have they voted in the past? Um, and if the press isn't able to share things freely, then that's often a sign that there's a lot of restraints on society, that freedom is being restricted everywhere. So that's why freedom of the press um, is often said like it's the backbone of a free society. Because without people being able to share information, um, then that means that there's more and more control over people's lives. 
So that means that maybe the opportunities become less and less for other people. Yeah, because people need to know the truth. Right, yeah. If, if the truth is being manipulated or if people are too afraid to share the truth, then that can be a really bad sign that, um, that you know, sometimes we see dictators or a lot of violence happening um, in different places because of the manipulation of the media or people not being able to share the truth or know what the truth is. Yeah. Is there anything my listeners can do to help these communities who struggle? There's a lot we can do. And I think sometimes, you know, what we think about and we see these stories in the news of of so many things happening all around the world. And sometimes it can feel really overwhelming. Right, we might see these news stories and say, oh gosh, there's so much violence in these other countries, there's so much poverty, it's too overwhelming, I can't really do anything about it. Right, that sometimes is what happens to people. But what I would say to, to people, and this is what I tell myself also, is to really think about, you know, what are the causes I care the most about? So um, let's say for you it might be, um, like you were saying, how people might litter on the streets for garbage, or it might be education for children. Um, so figuring out what it is that you care the most about, and then even looking right around you in your neighborhood. So sometimes people also think, oh gosh, well, I'm in the United States. I really, really want to um, help countries all over the world. But we can start with also thinking about, well, what's happening in the country where I'm from, or in the neighborhood where I'm from, and is there anything I can do to help the community I'm from? So um, with the work I do at IREX, we also create partnerships with U.S. organizations. So that's part of our work, is actually working with people in the United States who are community leaders too, and helping them gain more resources and skills and networks as well. So for those people who are wondering, you know, what can I do? I would say think about what you care about the most, um, because there's a lot of different issues, but think about what, what do you really feel excited about? You know, if you think, oh, there's so much happening, but I don't really get really excited about government corruption. That's okay. Think, okay, do I get excited about preserving the ocean or the rainforest? You know, maybe that's something that excites, excites you more. So look at what you can do either locally or if you know friends or if you know people that can connect you to different organizations too, because that is often the best way to find uh how you can volunteer or maybe donate money where it actually goes to people locally, um, not just um, without reaching the people who need it most. Yeah. When the Ukraine war started, my school, I mean, I felt bad for them and that I couldn't do anything. And then my school had this donation thing where you donate socks or masks and stuff that, that would be helpful to Ukraine. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so it's a way of uh, giving back and I think of feeling connected, right? So maybe that was going to kids in Ukraine. So a way of you feeling like you're doing something and helping out. It's really important to feel that way. Yep. What made you choose to do what you do now? What did you want to be as a child? Well, I actually didn't even know that my job existed um, until I was... Uh, maybe 25 or 26. I didn't know that this was even a real job. Um, I didn't grow up in a family who, who did a lot of like international work. 
Um, so when I was really young, I thought I, at first I wanted to be an astronaut. I really loved outer space. I would read books about Jupiter and go to the library all the time. And I just thought the planets and the solar system, um, constellations were so amazing. But I wasn't very good at science. Um, so physics and, and all of that was not my, my strong, uh, strongest subject. So then I actually really wanted to be a journalist. Um, and my first year of college, I was studying journalism. But I then decided that maybe I wanted to do more work in law and do more kind of like criminal law um, to help uh, in some way to kind of reduce violence um, in that way. But sooner or later, the long story short is that I did realize I, I didn't actually want to be a lawyer, but what I wanted to do is work with people, um, not just kind of like in an office all day or not just behind a computer screen a lot, but I wanted to be involved um, with communities. And I really loved education. I really think education is, is key to so many issues around the world. So um, uh, eventually I ended up going to graduate school for a degree in international peace and conflict resolution. Because I thought, you know, how can we, um, how do societies and how do communities live without violence? You know, because there's a lot of communities that that are doing really well and people are happy and and there's no violence and children can go to school and so I really wanted to look at those cases and see what goes into that um, and that's how I got into the, my work at IREX is being really interested in like how do people live together in neighborhoods and get along and have opportunities for the future and that's what led me to finding IREX as an organization and then starting to work there. That story is so inspiring. Thank you. Yeah, I like I like outer space too. Yeah, isn't it fascinating? Mm -hmm. Like how all those planets are out there, and some of and lots of them, nobody knows what's on it. It's so amazing, and now with the latest telescopes, we're able to see like all so many different galaxies, and it's really really cool to yeah. to learn about outer space. Especially those telescope photos. Where you can see all those planets. It's amazing. Yeah, it makes us seem kind of small on Earth, right? Yeah. <laughs> but appreciative that we do have this, this one planet that we can call home. Yeah. Because I don't think there's any other planet where we can get food like this and nature like this and such good oxygen. That's very true. And that's actually why I, I do the work I do is because I think we're so fortunate to live on this planet and it's so beautiful I and mean, just the nature all around us and and if you just look at how different people are and all the different animals I mean it's just amazing so um, I really believe that we have to do good by this planet you know and make this planet a really beautiful place um, because it's the only place we know right where we can survive yeah as it is there's no planet B that's very true no planet B so we have to do the best we can here but still, in a million years, the sun's going to explode. That's a long ways away, though, right? We yeah. still have a million years to go. <laughs> so hopefully we can uh, really enjoy our, our time on Earth yeah. and, and help to make other people happy, too. Yep. What are your hobbies? My hobby is, well, I love to go swimming. I actually live by the ocean, so I really love to go swimming. I volunteer to help uh, clean the beaches, so I really care a lot about ocean conservation. Um, I love playing guitar. 
Uh, I love reading poetry and reading books and drinking coffee um, and tea. <laughs> I think those are some of my hobbies. Uh, I love also um, playing with dogs, taking dogs for walks, running the dog park. I don't yet have my own dog, but I hope to one day. Yeah, those are nice hobbies. I like reading books too. Yeah, books are great because you can learn so much about the yeah. world, right, and other people. Yeah, I have, I have loads of books. Like I have one bookshelf, one bookshelf worth of books dedicated. One or two bookshelves. Oh wow! So you're a good reader then. Yeah, I love books. Yeah, they're wonderful. It's a great hobby to have. Yeah, I, dogs are so cute, right? Dogs are, and dogs can teach us so much. Right? Yeah, they're so like playful and happy, and they um, just like to enjoy being outside and being yeah. in nature. Oh, dogs are the best. Yeah, they are. Thank you so much for coming on my show. You're so welcome. I'm so happy to be on your show. I've been listening to your podcast for a long time, so I'm very honored to be a guest on your show. Oh, thank you. This was really fun. I liked it. Same I enjoyed. I learned a lot. Thank you, Madame. I'm very grateful to get to share. Dear listeners, follow my Facebook page, Curious Vedan, to get updates on my upcoming episodes. To listen at leisure on your phone, I get notified about future episodes. Subscribe by searching for Curious Vedan wherever you get your podcasts, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and many more. You can also listen to my show on CuriousVedant.com. Thank you for listening to Curious Vedant. And don't forget to rate and leave comments.